one word answers. That's what we're here for. <laughs> what uh, the people want. I think so. What the people want. Yes, we no. want great stories too. Great stories. I think it's too early in the day for some Maybe of my you stories. Maybe just swig half your drink and then <laughs> yeah. hit us with the great stories. Is this your favourite Chardonnay or is this just you knew this was it's one yours. of my favourite? He knew it was I wrote yours. it for you. I You're asked that so as well. well researched or else I just get boozed in front of you on good wine often. No, no, no. <laughs> Hands up if you haven't seen Tam boozed in this room. Uh, you guys are so kind (laughs) you're listening to behind the clipboard event experts empowering you to throw killer events for your business workplace social circle and beyond we're giving you the insider toolkit allowing you to make your events the talk of the town Produced by Known Associates Events, it's time to go backstage with your hosts, Tamara Cook, Crystal Thane and Melissa Howie. Okay, so welcome to the green room and today we have the amazing pleasure of inviting William Rosa, Fraser's Group Beverage Director or otherwise known as Sommelier. Sommelier. (laughs) Sommelier of seven years. Welcome, Will. Hello, thank you. Hi. Hello. Thanks for joining us. So the first thing that we ask any of our guests in the green room is tell us a bit about yourself. So I'm just a, a simple boy from southwest Sydney. I've been in hospitality for 20 years now. Started as a dishwasher, worked my way up, run some bars in North Queensland, some pool bars, made the big trip over Western Australia, started working with Chris Taylor and the rest is history. I didn't know you were from Western Sydney. Yeah. There you Me go. too. I grew up in Parramatta, Eastwood, Irmington. I grew up in Campbelltown. Oh, a bit more west. A little bit south of Campbelltown, <laughs> yeah. So, obvious question, what is a sommelier or a beverage director? So, the traditional term is a cellar rat. Basically, <laughs> someone who used to control cellars in posh houses back in the olden days. The castles, chateaus of France. And there's probably been a little bit of a revival since the 80s, 90s. Australia started to get a bit more of a drinking culture, wine culture, not drinking culture, more <laughs> of a wine culture. I was going to say, what do you mean? Australia has suddenly a got a drinking culture. culture. <laughs> yeah. You could yeah. drink wine in the front bar in the 90s. In the 80s, it wasn't so common. So I drink, taste, sell wine, but a lot of it's looking after sellers and maintaining sellers. The wine's only as good as its provenance. You can buy a $2,000 bottle of wine, put it in the sun, it's gone. So we really, it's it's about learning the respect of that wine and how to store it, how to keep it, how to rotate it, how to sell it. That's interesting. I didn't know, so do you go to uni for it? At the moment I'm studying a diploma in wine. So I go to Sydney every two months for a few days. Uh, you can, for winemaking, more go to uni. But oh, so it's, it's more viticulture. Yeah. Okay. I'm We're more private schools. Fancy names. <laughs> so you can do the Master Court of Sommeliers, which come to Australia once a year, or I do through WESET, so Wine Spirits Education Trust. So they're based in England, and I, I go to Sydney. So you're talking it. in present tense, so it's obviously something that you're constantly educating yourself on 100%. and learning about new wines and new yeah. techniques and new way to store. I don't know. I'm. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's it's the kind of thing, the more you know, the less you know. You, you you say, I know Burgundy, I know Margaret River, but then when you start to really delve into it, you're looking at soil types, you're looking at clones, you're looking at pests and all sorts of things which the average person doesn't understand and then you learn the intricacies between each winemaker, each wine and just, yeah, to, to learn everything there is around the wine industry. 
What does a day in the life of Will look like? Are you just in, you know, a cave turning wine bottles? Or <laughs> how many wines? Does Chris Taylor keep you locked up? Just Chris Taylor keep me locked up. He would. <laughs> I don't think so. He makes sure I'm on the floor as much as possible. I'm locked up in my own time. Um, no, I I wake up. I get to work about ten o'clock. Have a coffee. Check my mails. See what's happening for the day. See what VIPs we've got coming because I still run the restaurant as well. On top of it, so it's I've got to make sure that Fraser's restaurants under control 100%, go check out the cafe, see what's happening in the cafe, make sure they're under control, they've got staff, they're not in too much trouble with, with too busy, a bus hasn't turned up, then I'll do the lunch service, tweak the wine list in the afternoon, put some orders away, do dinner service and out the door, hopefully by 10. So is the wine list something that's constantly changing in the restaurant? Yeah, I print it every two weeks, it's about 30 pages. At Fraser's I've got about 850 wines at the moment on the list. Whoa, wow. Brewery's about 600 and Blue Water Grill we've dropped down to about 150 from 300. I had no idea. Yeah. So why do you change it? You can only buy certain things. At certain times. Yeah, you get one shot. A lot of things, we we buy 6, 12 bottles. We don't have huge, we have lots of lines but not huge storing capacity. And you don't want to sit on 12 bottles worth 200 300 you want to sit on three to six get rid of them and find something new it's ever evolving it's a very organic thing so leading on to that on from that how many wines do you taste a week are you a raging alcoholic no <laughs> i like barely drink outside of work i say that my friends will laugh at me now i would but how probably much do you drink in work yeah. in work <laughs> never 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 i i i taste 200 wines a week, but I'll spit them all out. It's all... What? Yeah. That is very disciplined of you. Taste, spit, wine repeat. Oh. That's all it is. I'll drink a, maybe a bottle on a Sunday, but with with the family, with, not the kids, with my partner. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. They're still a bit little, but and they'll grow. Yeah. No, they're getting close. They made wine with me this year, and they, they tasted the early process, the mid-process, and they're a little bit scared to taste the end process, <laughs> like I am. So mm. when I picture that, I'm thinking about the whole Rosa family, shoes off, stomping shoes on off, grapes. Stomping, stomping on, on grapes. grapes, yeah. Seriously? That's the way you do it? The 20-kilo buckets, wow. yeah. I find that little kids' feet are softer than my feet, <laughs> so <laughs> you yeah, get a softer true. crush. We, like this year we brought a few friends over as well. We picked a bit more grapes than we thought, so we had to call some of their friends over and we had a little production line. They were helping take the, the grapes off the bunch and picking them and stomping on them and then yeah now, i want to know the sanitary process because that's where <laughs> i'm getting like i don't know yeah, i don't I'm know about you guys feet, but, but yeah do you go through a rigorous feet cleansing yeah before you yeah definitely okay he bucket, has to say that there's now. a bucket with soapy water you go in you go out <laughs> <laughs> yeah there Great. is it's yeast anyway a bit more natural yeah, yeast. Like the doesn't bacteria kill adds a certain, yeah. you know alcohol is a disinfectant true it kills everything so, yeah. so what kind of wine did you make? Grenache. Swan Valley Grenache. Ooh. So today, Will was kind enough. Obviously, we've got a sommelier on the show. He had to bring in some wine. And I'm actually having my first Chardonnay. Mm. Single file, Single reserve. File. Actually, Will should probably say yeah. the name. Family reserve. Family reserve, <laughs> yeah. 215. And because we're classy here, we've paired it with a cheese board. But when it comes to matching wine and food, what's the science behind it? Like for like. You, you really, I, I find that it's better to match to a sauce than a protein. If I've got a piece of chicken with tomato sauce, you're not going to have a raisin or something. It's, it's high acid. So you've really got to look with, if you've got a, I fill it with chimichurri instead of jus, 
the chimichurri's got a lot more spices, herbs to it. So you, you're going to match with a wine that's got a little bit more of that green aspect to it than a really rich Shiraz. The Shiraz with a lot of sugar will go with, or a lot of big fruit ripeness, will go with a, um, a jus, but it's all about the sauce. I, I look for that. That's really interesting because I think people just out of habit maybe try and match the protein. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... Well, yeah, that's what people have been taught, haven't yeah. they? To go Seafood, red wine, white. Yeah. It's, yeah, I, I find it's all about the sauce. The protein, it can be such a chameleon. You can dress a chicken up to do anything. You can dress a piece of lamb up to <laughs> do anything. Just picturing a dressed up chicken. But, <laughs> but the sauce is really, you can't hide. So when, you come, when it comes to events, how do you, so people say this is the menu that I want and then they come in and say these are the wines I want and you say no. Like how do you or how do I you take someone? No. You never say no. You Not don't really. say that's a terrible I, choice. No, I can recommend, but ninety percent of the time we don't. If they want it, they can have it. If it's available, the only time I'll say no if it's not available. You're the client. We've got to make sure you're happy. So if it's up to you, what would you do? Would you take them through the process of why you're choosing what you're choosing, or you just go, bam, this is what you should have? If they wanted to know, I would hundred percent go through that. Yeah. But it's a lot of budget constraints as well. Oh, of course. I will probably choose a little bit left centre wines, but a little bit more interesting and a better value for money if people ask a question. If they don't ask a question, you get they, what they wanted. You do this really cool thing where you take people in phrases into the kitchen and set up a table. I can't remember what table. Called. Yeah. yeah, is that yeah. what it's called? Yeah, kitchen yeah. Table. yeah. yeah. <laughs> kitchen table experience. Yeah. And I had the pleasure of um, being invited to one of those a few years ago. I can't. Must have been three or four years ago now, but Dead Set was one of the best events that I ever went to because you actually sitting in the kitchen, like where the service, um, sorry, where the uh, the pass, yeah, yeah, in the pass, in between the dishwasher (laughs) and the pass, yeah, Yeah. and so you're in all the silver. Everyone's you hear yes, chef, and everyone's rushing around behind around you, and you're having this fine dining meal. And Will's there with you, and he's ma- and I've, I've never seen you light up so much. You're like, right now we're going to try this, and you're going to try that, and you're going to have a little bit of this, but you got to have to taste it with that, and it was awesome. Thank you. It's all about the engagement. You engage with me, we can engage back. It's we're in a we're in an industry where we're here for service, but if you want to take a lot out of it, we can give you our heart, and that's that's for the diners to decide. So tell me about when you plan one of those. What process you go through? I wake up in the morning. I look at the weather. <laughs> And I say, what's the weather going to be like today? Because it's very important as well. The mood of how someone feels with the weather can change. If it's really cold outside, you want a bit more hearty wines. We've got so many wines, you can match 20, 30 wines with a different dish. And it just, then that depends on the weather and how hearty and rich they are. If it's the middle of summer, we're going to give lean, refreshing wines. So that's got a bit to do with it. But we talk with the kitchen a fair bit. I eat a bit of their food and they drink a bit of the wine and we, we, we try and work out, you do this, I do this, and, and then we make the experience complete. That's actually a really good point that Will raised about weather. We find that it helps with event planning. When you look at the weather, you can sort of gauge what will be your popular beverage for the evening. Yeah, 100%. So, you know, you can call the venue and say maybe bump up the beer because it's a hot day or yeah. that sort of thing. You're not going to put Aperol spritzes out next week in the rain. Ugh, I don't even like them. Get on board. <laughs> I don't like them either. No, me neither. It tastes like jet fuel. <laughs> you just got three. Can we cut this bit out. <laughs> is it is it burning your ears? Are they bleeding? No, it's just easy drinking. Mm. Isn't that's a really bitter one, isn't it? Yeah, yes. it's because I don't like bitter yeah. stuff. Like, like Negroni. It's Negroni week, and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh no, thank you. 
It's not so Granny Week every second week. <laughs> I thought that. I thought it was the other week, but I'm sure it's still this week. I was in a bar last month and it was Negroni oh, Week. Oh, there you go. Huh. $10 Negronis at 11 o'clock on a Tuesday. Why not? I complain. Yeah. <laughs> Did they just make that up? Or it was just. I'm not sure. <laughs> I didn't ask. I just said, give me four. <laughs> I don't really like them, but I have four. <laughs> and, I don't, and I don't drink outside of work. <laughs> it was with a pizza. It was a meal. It's different. Yeah. <laughs> Now the truth's coming. Yeah, I see what's going on here, William. Oh, I don't like to drink outside of work. <laughs> Unless it's Negroni week. <laughs> Which is every week, apparently. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm dying to know, what is your personal favourite food and wine pairing? And I think you're going to say it depends on the day and the weather, but give me a few examples. Look, for me, it's about the moment, the time, the place. Um, I, I've spent a fair bit of time in Port Douglas and sitting on the sitting on McCrossan Street one of the bars eating anchovies or a white bait with with a glass of Chardonnay was I'd take me back there any day any day I love that at the same time having a, a glue vine in in Austria with a sausage on the street that's a beautiful experience as well so it really is about the time and the place but fish and chips and raising on Cottesloe Hill that's got to be the number one very Australian answer good job fish <laughs> and chips and rosé no Riesling Riesling yeah Dry Riesling or sweet? Uh, a couple of grams of sugar. Were you matching it to the tartar sauce? To the oil. <laughs> to, the, to the grass on the hill. The salt in the air. This is actually make, making me think I'm hungry. a lot more. I'm hungry too. <laughs> <laughs> At least we've got wine. Cool. <laughs> but it's making me think a lot more about when you mentioned the weather and the mood. and I don't really, as event managers, we don't really consider that so much when we're choosing a menu. We think it's got to go with... Like we said, the protein. So you're learning a lot. Yeah. But to be fair, you do, or I do, and I think you do, pick the menu based on the weather and then that rolls on from that, the beverage selection. Yeah, I guess. So I would be much more likely to choose a slow-cooked beef, something very (laughs) heavy for a winter event Mm. and more seafood style if it was a summer event, particularly outdoors or vegetarian. Yeah. What about champagne when it comes to champagne? What are your... Have we got any rules around what's good, what's like, should we go sparkling, should we stick no, to champagne? stick to champagne. <laughs> <laughs> it's never a bad time to have champagne. All right. If you, if you start an event with champagne, you should end the event with champagne. Oh. I agree. That's one of my biggest bugbears is when you go to an event yeah. and they plan for it to be a welcome drink and then they run out and you're like, well, you yeah. started me with bubbles and now you're you can't selling go back. me on this flat stuff. And you yeah. don't like to mix those alcohols together. Oof. No. Well, you're downgrading. It's if an event's got champagne, you can't go back. You, you can't commit. go down. Once yeah. I start, I like to drink the same thing. Mel, surely you've got a favourite food and wine pairing. Yeah, Chardonnay and truffle cheese. I like what we're having today. <laughs> What's yours? Ooh. What's yours, Tam? Uh, ditto. Okay. <laughs> Although I like champagne and olive, um, oysters <laughs> and anything goes with scallops. <laughs> Did you like my little pause? Yeah, I thought you were going to say something amazing and groundbreaking. It is. Scallops. <laughs> okay. You can put anything with scallops. I can have red wine, That's true. beer, champagne, Chardonnay, wheat, Riesling, moonshine, Ooh. whatever. Just scallops. Yeah. yeah. Crystal, what's yours? I always just like pasta and red, red wine. I don't mm. know if it's like that cozy winter feel as well. Like I don't know mm. if it actually goes together. Uh, super comfort food. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's great. And yeah. should be Italian. Favorite. I think I, I mean, I've got dark hair, so. <laughs> sitting on the streets, when you're saying sitting on the streets of different places around the world, sitting on the streets in Italy when it's balmy, balmy, and they put the, they do put the um, tables and chairs right out to, mm-hmm. you're almost getting run over by. Oh, the Vespers, bed. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and you're having pasta and red wine. Even when it's hot, it's so good. Do you know what? That's probably why I'm so like, that's my favourite food and wine pairing because it evokes a memory of being in Italy. Mm. And I just think about, because they used to ice their red wines there because it was hot and it blew my mind. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it was like the house wine, but it was always delicious. Yeah, yeah. I found that too. Because house, house wine here is a bit hit and miss. Unless Rosie house wine. And Obviously, that's, yes. That's just a hit. <laughs> yeah. That's a banger. The cloudy one. So what way... So I have to you you have to tell us about the cloudy wines that you make and what makes it cloudy. I don't make cloudy. cloudy wines. They're normal wine, not normal. They're they're clean. Um, cloudy wines. Every wine starts off cloudy. Every wine is it's sediment. It's it's little bits of skin. It's little bits of yeast. It's all about the settling and the racking. So once you store a a wine for a while and it it settles and you get on the bottom of the the barrel the the vessel whatever it's stored in, you get lees. You get what what what's called a gross leaves and fine leaves and then you rack that off or, which is basically just taking from the top and making sure there's no sediment coming through you can filter it it is a stabilization process as well so it's sta- the longer you keep it on these dead yeast cells and skins it stabilizes the wine then just before bottle it doesn't oxidize so it doesn't oxidize um so tannins are antioxidants Grape skins are full of tannins and they're, they're antioxidants. So the longer you can keep the whole grape together, even though it's in a liquid form, the the longer it's going to last, the better quality it's going to be to a degree. Cloudy wines are just taking everything and putting it in the bottle without taking it off the, the sediment. Okay. Even traditional wines have sediment after a while. If you get a 10-year-old Cabernet, a thick skin red grape, it's going to have sediment. If you shake that up, it's not going to be cloudy, but it's going to have specks of sediment all the way through it. Is that the theory behind turning the bottles intermittently? No, I don't know the what? theory <laughs> between turning the bottle. I don't turn the bottle. You let them sit. You let them stay. You turn champagne oh. in between the first and second fermentation, but um, you keep the bottle still. And then even when we take it from the cellar to the table, we don't move it upright we keep it laying down and we try and be as gentle as possible until we can decant it hmm. and if you're ever in a restaurant and you see the waiter the familiar the waiter not pour the whole bottle into the decanter there's a reason we're not trying to drink your wine <laughs> there's you're going to have a bad smile if you drink that much because you have sediment all through your mouth Ooh, or through your teeth that's nasty yeah we've done that at home <laughs> Just let's, let's have that last drop Ooh, no, <laughs> not. Uh, speaking of last drop i know it's a podcast but Mel's wine glass is nearly empty. Jesus, Mel. <laughs> I think that's why I've got the wine sweats. I'm really wine sweats. <laughs> well, you talked about I earlier how you sort of let the client dictate what drink, or what beverages go with their food and that sort of thing. But what do you think are the key things as event managers we should know when putting together a menu? Seasonal. Ask the question. We can get you better deals. We can get you better choices and more exciting and interesting choices if you ask the question. That's all you've got to do. Give me, give me two weeks, what and I can. What question is that? Se- what's in season? Yeah, just you <laughs> choose. Just, just give me a budget, and I'll work with it. I see. Instead of we've on our function list, I think we've got about ninety hundred wines as well. So there's lots of choices. There's lots of things that people wouldn't automatically go to, which are probably more fun and more interesting that we have on there. But it's being brave, and and I think that's the way that it's going a little bit more with events everyone wants to do something different everyone wants to be the first one to do this and it's just going to happen with the beverage as well they want to they want to give that wow factor you don't want to have Sauvignon Blanc Chardonnay Shiraz and Cabernet it's boring it's every event does that 
There's yeah. 300, 400 grapes out there that are readily available to us that we can... That people just don't know about. Yeah, it might be a little bit harder to pronounce or you're just not familiar with it or comfortable with it. So Yeah, that's where asking the question really comes in because you just go, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means, but SSB, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah, but and you know that's what people think they want to drink as well. Yes. I think that's why people choose it sometimes is because they're safe. It's familiar to the guests. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. We, went, we had a function a couple of days ago and on the function menu – there was two choices and the first one had the reds and then only a Chardonnay as the white choice. And I freaked out because it's what one of my event managers chose. I went, no one's going to drink the Chardonnay because this unless they're me, <laughs> no one likes it. We had that discussion after you. They knew you were there, yeah, so well, they're looking after you. I was, a, I was running the event. I wasn't a guest. But, um, yeah, it was, it was unusual to see one choice of white and that white to be Chardonnay. So... Maybe we do need to be a bit more bold and just brave. We often talk about that as well with food too. Like there's, you know, the safe options, chicken, beef. Mm. But, you know, can we do – because, you know, I personally, I like fish, but fish can be polarising in a group of 200 people and it's the same with something like a Chardonnay. It's not a familiar white wine. Yeah. Unless you hang out with you too. At the Dockers (laughs) one year we did – we ordered event beverages at Crown and it was just a Chardonnay. There was no SSB. And the crowd went absolutely – Crazy. Good or mm. bad crazy? Bad. Horrified. Like no one wanted to drink it. And they poured, you know, it was a really yellow buttery Chardonnay, the oh. kind I love. <laughs> That's very polarizing. That and they type. look yeah, so they took one look at it and was like, well, we're not gonna drink this. It's too mm. yellow. It's too it's not where's our watery SSB? Yes. <laughs> I think it doesn't have to be an SSB, but it probably has you have to have a lighter one and easy yeah. drinking and, and maybe one that is more full bodied. So what's something that we could choose that's not S B or Semion. SSB? Semion is a great grape. If you get put on my New South Wales hat here and (laughs) hunt a Semion, it's low alcohol. It's 10.5-11% alcohol. It's zesty. It's bright. It's light. It's refreshing. Okay. Drink Semion. Cool. Riesling, Riesling, you can. Riesling's changed a lot lately. In the last few years, there is a, a gram or two of sugar, which is not noticeable, but it just makes the wine not so austere, and it's quite refreshing, but... The, the amount of time people I've converted in the last couple of years with great southern Rieslings that I hate Riesling, I can't drink Riesling, do, 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 do. and then they tried and they're like, you know what, I like that. <laughs> well, Riesling to me when I think about it is really sweet, like yeah. the old style, but I've had dry Rieslings and I like them. Yeah. So you're saying the ones with a, like a little bit of sugar is still dry? Yeah, yeah. Like if anything under four grams is not noticeable, it you can't say that's got sugar in it, but you go, oh, that, that's not drinking lime cordial yeah and okay how would you know the sugar content in wine though because there's no nutrition panel makes it very hard to pick because that's that's my job Mm. that's Mm. when you ask someone like me that's we can't give you all the secrets so i need a personal sommelier to follow (laughs) me around yeah well what are you doing next week yeah (laughs) (laughs) what are you doing tonight yeah (laughs) uh what food and beverage trends do you think we'll be seeing in 2019 and beyond low alcohol Lower, low, <laughs> lower alcohol weekdays. Um, Is this because millennials or the trend, like yep. all the research at the moment is saying that younger, I shouldn't say millennials, but younger generations are drinking a lot less? A lot less, yeah. 18 to 29 year olds are drinking a lot less. I'm out of that bracket. I didn't get the vibe. I'm in that bracket, but. You might okay. be on the back end of it. She sure is. <laughs> wow. Ouch. <laughs> I mean, I am, but ouch. 
it's really, it's really interesting you say that because I feel that millennials are money poorer. Therefore, they want more bang for their buck with their alcohol content. Or is that just me? I feel like they drink less often. Yeah. They drink more, more when they do drink. Yeah, correct. That's just based on my own office. Same. <laughs> yeah. I, I want know. more alcohol content for less money. Why, why? What's your opinion on this trend? Yeah, yeah I don't really Or do you think it's health-related, maybe? Like, uh, the focus a, is on... Look, I'm, I'm looking not so much at... Unfortunately, our clientele isn't so much the 18 to 29-year-olds. Mm. We're a little bit older, they're a little bit more corporate. Um, on a weekday, they, the culture, especially the office culture, isn't drinking every day. The, Perth is a very conservative place i think with the fact that you don't finish work and go to the pub before you go home you drive home as well yeah the the transit times are a lot further there's um in sydney melbourne a lot of people get public transport and they maybe stop off at the local before a, before they go home for a drink or two but i find perth doesn't do that you don't see st george's terrace there's empty. tens of thousands of people there you go there at 5 30 it's it's empty so it's a, it's quite a conservative culture as well, I think, in that aspect. I suppose that comes back to the fact that WA is very car reliant. Yeah. So public transport's a bit hard. And yeah. Does low alcohol affect the taste? <laughs> yes, hundred percent. Exactly, and that's why I'm not into it. But yeah. I'm just funny. <laughs> but there's good natural low alcohol options. Semion is eleven percent. German Riesling's eight point five to to ten percent. Uh, Moscato's five percent. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Five percent. Yeah, my yeah. sister drinks Moscato and it has three standard drinks in the entire bottle. Why would you I, bother? And my Chardonnay says eight point nine. <laughs> yeah, my mum drinks Moscato. <laughs> Some people I, like the sweet. You, uh, we recently went to an event at Fraser's mm-hmm. and you served a no alcohol gin. Oh, yes, yeah, talk us yeah. through that. So it's been distilled the same way as a gin. There's three different sorts of it. They've 30 or 40 different botanicals, each distilled separately into a gin. And then it's been boiled or, or distilled to 79 degrees where all the alcohol has been burnt off. And you're just left with a really intensely flavoured water. <laughs> I like the pause too. So it is. It's yeah. And you smell it and you think, oh, geez, this is going to be great. But you're talking before about the, uh, no alcohol affecting. There's zero viscosity. Mm-hmm. It's water. And you go, wow, that's, it's got good flavour, but it's water. And then you put a bit of tonic with it and you think you're drinking gin and tonic. Mm. So you get that feeling of, and people who feel that social pressure of having a drink in hand, having it feel and smell and taste yeah. like it, but you're not getting the Since alcohol. that day, we've, we've sold a couple of weddings with it. Um, wow. it's, it's becoming a thing, yeah. It's good for inclusivity. People that There's only so much lemon lime bitters you can drink. This is true. Right. This is why I serve yeah. kombucha at a lot of my events, just to change it up and make it... And still exciting. Yeah, like make it a different drink, but it's something that's nice. Have kombucha you had, and gin's good. I was just about to say, have you had kombucha and gin? No. Game changer. Yeah. <gasps> why have I never done this? You got to I feel like because com- the booch is healthy. healthy and the gin is yeah. not. So gin's not unhealthy. Isn't it zero well, calories? I, I agree. I sure it is. It's a it's a clear spirit. Clear yeah. spirits always better. Gin yeah. cleared out my cold last week. I swear to God, I drank it yeah, straight and whoosh, it was gone. It started as medicinal, right, gin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It tastes it's like medicine to me. Sure does. It's a depressant. All alcohol is. All Juniper's alcohol. pretty bad. Yeah, there you go. Mm. Tequila's not. Tell me, any, <laughs> oh, tell me anyone depressed who drinks tequila? Jeez. Uh, me, <laughs> the me. Next day. The smell is like <laughs> I can't. <laughs> 
Yeah. No, that's cool. What other um, non-alcoholic drinks are coming out that we can rock the world with? Not us personally, but other people. Well, I think it's important. There's a lot of people out there that feel like there's a social pressure to have a drink in their hand or if they say they're not drinking that night, people are like, well, why? Are you because pregnant? Yeah. And they Particularly feel, in Australia. They feel ostracised. So it is nice if there's a beautiful option that doesn't come with those social... Yeah, I think... Housemate kombuchas, people are doing a lot of that. Um, I, I really think this seedlet, there's bars out in Sydney that are doing, have got cocktail lists based on them, but they're, they're using the seedlet. The authenticity of these non-alcoholic spirits are amazing. Is it called seedlip? Seedlip, yeah. So what's the cost difference? Does it come at the same price as getting a gin and tonic or do you get it a little bit cheaper if you're buying it out? It's not far off. It's, it is... They have to pay excise because they're making alcohol, so they've got to pay alcohol excise to start off with. What? Okay. They're paying alcohol excise for to non <coughs> burn the alcohol out. Yeah. No, I want to know about ice. I'm a bit uh, like so. What kind? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, we we were recently introduced to a company called Rocked Ice, and yep. they do specialty ice in Perth. Do you know the guys? Yeah. Yeah. I thought their product is really cool, and I want to know. How much does ice affect when you're making cocktails or doing serving spirits or you're putting yeah. things into the ice? Tell us about that world. This is going to sound really wanky, but we, we've got an ice program. We've had an ice program for quite a while where we make a lot of our own different size ice cubes from little to big spheres. We put different spices and herbs in them. Oh, wow. Um, I did play around with freezing whiskey and in a sphere and cracking it so at the table you serve it and you crack the ice and the whiskey comes out but it wasn't easy to do on a big scale so ice is very very important ice is crucial for cocktails because you need a little bit it's 10 percent or so watering down just to take the heat off the alcohol if you if you're drinking good hard cocktails it, it is very important these guys take it to the next level you go to places like long chim where they they're chiseling ice to order and it's it really is taking it to the next level yeah but it's worth it for the taste yeah 100 percent. yeah and it's a garnish if you if you make if you put cloves or star anise and cinnamon in a in an ice cube it's a garnish you don't have to have another garnish there it's it's mm. part of it Exactly, yeah. We did, with them at an event a few weeks ago, we did deconstructed Negronis. Yeah. Was it Negroni week? (laughs) So you sat in the corner and drank three bottles of booze. Again, I was running the (laughs) event, so I didn't get, I didn't have one. But um, it was really cool. They served it on um, dry ice around the board that they put it on. They put the block of ice that had orange peel frozen into it. And then in test tubes, they had all the little ingredients to make the Negronis and the um, guests put them together it was yeah. it was a real spectacle but it was also a process and a it was fun yeah it, it is. looked amazing it's theater. all comes back theater. to theater. Theater. theater yeah yeah drink theater yeah <laughs> there's some drink theater after a few drinks as well <laughs> tequila. <laughs> yeah the tequila again <laughs> mr i don't drink ever outside of work you sound <laughs> like an alcoholic <laughs> except on days that end in y and tequila day <laughs> tequila doesn't count negroni week i'm a millennium <laughs> A millennial yeah. when I, I don't do much, but when I do, I do it properly. Yeah, you're hard to go home, you know. Yeah. Yeah. What about some, have you got any juicy stories? Hillary, when Hillary came. Oh, making oh. America great again. Mate. Yeah. They're, they're security guards. Here we go. Here you go. The security guards for Hillary were out of control. Clinton, they, for anyone who's wondering. 
They they were have it. They were dressed as gardeners. What? With guns. So we had about twenty gardeners around the outside of the restaurant, like undercover, hiding, hiding behind trees with guns. Stop it. That's so yeah, cool. Yeah, it was a little bit excessive. Okay, I think it's cool. Yeah, I think it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You never know what's going to because what, something happened up at Fraser's with was it Tony Abbott? There was a big pro- protest outside, and then or oh, Julia Gillard, I think it was. And they were up against the glass. You, you, you weren't there that day. No. I miss all the <laughs> good he was, stuff. He was celebrating Negroni Week somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> or tequila. <laughs> tequila Tuesdays. <laughs> Funny. No, there's, look, we've always got something happening, someone there. Some. What about the most difficult customer you've ever had? <laughs> we won't name names. No, you just have to say a person. The most difficult... Look, we try and make sure that all our issues are resolved at the table there and then. We train our staff really, really hard to pick up on body language, on little intricacies of the table so they can see if someone's not happy and then we can deal with it there and then. It's a lot easier to deal with a situation while they're halfway through their meal mm-hmm. than to deal with it three days later via email. So You train I, them in body language. Can you... Oh, you got to understand. Can, being a, can like, you just elaborate on that? Like, you you got to understand if someone's... What do you look for? ...open or closed or... You can see someone's face if they don't like a meal. You, you, can, you can see their attitude straight away. And if you... They're, they're picking around at their food... You, you, we we can see if a steak's medium as well as they can. So if they've ordered a medium steak, the first thing we're going to do when they cut through, we're not going to ask. We're going to look, mm-hmm. and if we see that it's not how they like it, we're going to bring it up there and then. I've said it before on this podcast, and I'll say it again now while you're in the room: is Fraser's has the best customer service and high level of food for served in a, in an event space in Perth. I love it. You can't I agree with Thank that. You. you cannot go past it. Thank you. How's how's Fraser stayed relevant? It hasn't changed. Timeless. We don't really change with trends. You come to Fraser's, you know what you're going to get. You get a meal on a plate. You don't have to buy your sides. You don't have to. There's no smoke. There's no mirrors. There's no gastronomy. It's the best of Western Australian food on the plate, and it's a meal. It's Chris is very. Very honest with his cooking, and it's it, it's a dying art, I think, in in Perth hospitality scene. There's honesty on a plate, and I think that is why we're still relevant. I I think the the joy of phrases as well is that anyone can come in and they can sit next to anyone, and you will treat you the same. And on that note, Team Chardonnay has to sign off. <laughs> I was holding in. I was like, I'm going to be Team Chardonnay now. <laughs> Will, where can our, will, where can our listeners find you if they're looking for you? Fraser's. Yep. We also um, have started with another some friend of mine. We start to do um, uh, tastings at your home as oh, well. Oh. So Taste Wine Australia. So instead of you coming to us, we'll go to you. We'll bring the glasses. We'll bring the wine. We'll bring the fun times. Do you expect us to also spit out the wine at these yeah. tastings? No, or? definitely not. I'm no. excellent. I'm no. fantastic. That is no. a cool product. Yeah. Is that yeah. a... Is that a is that done anywhere else? Definitely not. I don't know. Anywhere. Probably wine not. I don't Australia. know. It's no taste wine Australia. Taste we call it ourselves. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I, I don't think so. We've done quite a few events over the last six months. Generally, for someone's fiftieth or sixtieth, we do up to fifteen people. Um, we'll bring everything. That's awesome. So I'm going to do something cool for Troy's birthday this year, and I think this could be it. Yeah. Do you have a website? Are you on Instagram? Instagram. 
Taste Wine Australia. Taste Wine Australia. So you bring the wine. We bring the the wine. We bring the glasses. Yeah, I'm down with that. Don't worry about bringing the spit bucket for us. (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) We'll teach you how to savor. Well, well, there's about ten topics as well, so it's not going in there blind. You choose your topic, and we'll we'll take it from there. What do you mean topic? Oh, so wine tasting 101. Century Evaluation, Old World versus New World, um, Barbecue Wines. Educating and Entertaining. Yeah. Edutainment. Yeah, Edutainment. That's the one. (laughs) Nice. And we got about 30 seconds of education and four minutes of You were speaking our language, Will. Yeah. I'm excited. Edutainment. I love it. You Save that to the end. Uh, (laughs) Easter egg at the end. So everyone... BTC team building. Yeah, so I think, Tam, we need to do a team building thing with Taste Wines Australia. Yep. Done. We'll Great. come to the office. Absolutely. No Excellent. Great. Excellent. Sweet. Well, thanks for coming into the green room, Will. It's thanks been for real. Me. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining. Thank you. And of course, for bringing the Chardonnay to yes, the neck. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you for converting me into a Chardonnay drinker. Mel's quaffed hers post taste. <laughs> thank you very much. For thank you. Me. Thanks, Will. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. See you next week. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. For your chance to have your questions answered or join our conversation, jump into our Facebook group, Behind the Clipboard Podcast, and follow us on Instagram at Behind the Clipboard Podcast. She's looking up coughing and she's getting all sorts she's of things. It says drink something, especially an alcoholic drink, heartily. So that's oh. to quaff. Don't we always quaff then? I thought well, quaff Mel quaffed her Chardonnay. She did quaff yeah. it real $100 good. $100 Chardonnay. I thought quaffing might have been like... Like scoffing. No, like making a noise. Yeah, like that's Disapproving. Yes, yeah, scoffing. Quaffing is like scoffing wine. Yeah, scoffing wine. Oh, yeah. Some of it smellier. Smellier.